Hi, I'm Sadek, and this is episode 46 of Shades of Brown. And this week, you know, it's it's been a slow, uh, slow news week as as normal this time of year. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, we're gonna start off with some follow up on the iPhone battery uh, news. Uh, so, question: You wanna you wanna talk about this a little bit? Yeah. So, um, what happened is that. Wait a minute. Did I even say my name? I didn't even introduce myself oh, at the beginning of the show. Oh, God. Wow. You're just getting right into this. Hi, I am Christian. Thanks for this is a podcast. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So let's let's go back to someone's excited. Damn. <laughs> but yes. So the uh, as, as we we're talking about last week. It came out that Apple has been throttling iPhones to ensure longevity of batteries. Uh, that's simplification, but you can go back and listen to last week's episode where we went more in depth about it. But here's some follow-up for it. They have dropped the price of a battery repair to $29. Uh, you go to any Apple store. And they've also said that even if... Because we talked about how um, genius uh, geniuses at Apple at the Apple store will run a diagnostic test on your battery and then see... If it's below a certain percentage, I think it's around 80%. Yeah. Anything above 80% is considered in good uh, standing for a battery. They said that if you have a uh, device, and even if it is above that 80%, they are still going to um, replace it for you if you pay the $29. Which I I fix it also, actually. If you want to do it yourself, or maybe you don't live nearby an Apple store, I just want to say I fix it. Uh, it's running a sale right now on their iPhone battery replacement kits. So that comes with a replacement battery all the tools you need, and I think some paper guide too, even though, of course, they have their web and video guides. So um, if you wanted to do that, if you think you'd be affected by that, and you and you have the know-how or you're comfortable taking apart your phone, uh, there's that route for you. But I think this is um, this is good. This is what they should have done. Yep. This is this is as as it should be, I think. Uh, if you're willing to pay for a battery replacement, I think Apple should just replace the battery for you. I don't I don't see why. I mean, I guess from a customer service perspective, it makes sense to like not be doing battery replacements all the time. Uh, I mean, they have to keep stock of these batteries as well, so that's the thing. But uh, yeah, so this is. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering where these lawsuits are going to happen uh, and what, what, what those. Are going to be like uh, because I feel like we're going to be following up on this in a few months from now uh, when the legal system decides to you know uh, get in gear uh, and the lawsuits start. So yeah, that's this is the uh, Apple news. There's a link in on our technical and also the Apple PR uh, release uh, title of message to our customers. Uh, so you can go read that. Uh, that's that's all. I, I, unless you have anything else to say, we can like move on to the. No, that's it. Basically, right? It's just you know, if you have an old phone, um, and you have twenty nine dollars, even if you think your battery is good, go get it replaced. Because why not, right? Uh, next up is Google. Some, uh, some little bit of Google news. Uh, not, not very significant, really. Uh, the experimental. F- oh God, I forgot how to say this fucking word. Uh, Fusion. Fusion OS can now run on the Pixel Book. Yeah, and so um, we got to talk about Fuchsia's before because I think we've mentioned it before. Because uh, you remember how uh, a while back Microsoft has a project called Andromeda, and Google had one called Andromeda. And rumors went that the Pixel Book was originally supposed to be an Andromeda device, which is supposed to be some futuristic OS that merged Android and uh, and Chrome OS, but that never panned out. But Fuchsia is real. Google has never spoken about it, but this, you can find the source code for it, right? Like it's an open source project and it, it exists. It's a thing. So what um, what Fuchsia is, is 
it starts from the bottom up, right? So this is not run on Linux kernel. Fuchsia is, has its own kernel. Fuchsia has its own user land, right? Like its own Windows server. This is a completely like custom OS made by Google. Yeah. So this is like a, uh, this is OS, this is, sorry, Google doing their own, uh, I guess, OS, which makes sense. I suppose at some point they would, they would start doing this. It, this actually makes sense for a company the size of Google to be starting on their own OS. Uh, it, it uses a Google developed microkernel, uh, formerly called Magenta and currently called Zircon. Uh, I love tech companies and their, and their fucking <laughs> naming schemes. Why they should have kept it Magenta, right? If they did Fuchsia and like every single layer was just different shades of purple, that'd have been that, so great. That would have been good, but you know, this is Google. So, uh, like a, a Windows server called Lavender, right? Like I would have fuck with that. Yeah. Um. The, the the renderer is called Asher in the in the it's written in the Vulkan uh, graphics API, um, and it's custom built to run you know Google's shadow heavy uh, material design interface guidelines. And the apps are written in something called the Flutter SDK, uh, which which produces cross platform code that runs on Android and iOS. Um, the OS is open source, but with no Linux kernel. There are no uh, GPL components. The OS is licensed under a mix of BSD three clause, MIT, and Apache two point oh. Man, the lawyers are going to have fun with that. Uh, um, yeah, that's. So, do you do you want to do a licensed discourse? No, here? no, I ne- I never want to do a licensed discourse. That is not what happening. Uh, just just use whatever license. Uh, so, okay, okay. Um, I I need to, I need to add some context because this joke only makes sense to probably meet you and like five other people who listen. For most people listening, I don't think they understand the the reason why we think it's funny that there's a license discourse. So, uh, years back when the GPL three came out, there was this huge shitstorm. Piece, piece, like the GPL. So the Free Software Foundation took complaints of the GPL two and was like, okay, all right. You know, let's just fix it for the GPL3. But of course, complaining about one thing and the solution to those complaints generally makes a bunch of other complaints pop up, right? So it became this huge shitstorm of like, the GPL2 is better, the GPL3 is better. And then everyone was like, fuck it, let's use the BSD license. Or I think that's what I did. I just said, fuck it, I'm just going to use a BSD license now. But yeah, that's a brief history of open source licenses. <laughs> yeah, so the, the this, so this news is basically uh, that... It's now installable on a Pixelbook. Uh, it's kind of a unique process to get it installed on a Pixelbook. It's like you need a uh, you need a USB drive, and the media creation process is destructive for the USB drive. Which that makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, it says that it's destructive to this USB device. I think that what that just means is that like it probably destroys the partition table on the USB drive, so it's probably not usable uh, by normal people later. Uh, so yeah. I mean, this this all all this is, I guess, yeah, it's still in development. Like you, if you really want to run this, you're gonna to have to do some real work to get it running. It only runs on like, like an Acer laptop and some old Intel NUCs from 2015. So it's like, uh, it's not easy. It's not meant for you know general use. It's still probably heavily in development and extremely not done. So you know, take that as well. I mean, I'm I'm hopeful, right? That that uh since you can now put it on modern hardware and there's at least instructions for it um that some security researchers might start poking around in it because i'm interested in seeing 
how how does how does the OS built from the ground up by Google? How, how does security work in that? Right? Like, is it is it like how laissez faire Android is, or is it as locked down as Chrome is? Right? Like, for we could talk about like how bad Android is, but at the end of Chrome OS is like the complete opposite. Right? Like, Chrome OS is almost unbreakable like there's been some exploits here and there but for the most part because of how chrome os is structured you genuinely are not going to get that many um yeah, it's very difficult it's very difficult yes uh to break out of the sandbox well you have to break out of the chrome sandbox first before you even touch the kernel right so it's like yeah there is there's multiple layers of security uh, on a chromebook uh, and it's quite difficult I mean, Chrome exploits do happen. Uh, Google pays quite a bit for Chrome exploits, uh, responsibly dis- uh, disclosed to them, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not a common thing to be happening. So it's very difficult, and only you usually have to chain like multiple exploits together to to get like a like a sandbox bypass. Uh, even then, you know, it's it's getting harder all the time as Google patches more bugs uh, and more more holes. So yeah, that's that's the Fushia news. Oh God, I fucking I hate that word. You know, this is a bad <laughs> word. English is a bad language. Okay, you heard this here. It's a it's a hot take. Um, it's a terrible terrible word. Um, um, fuchsia. 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 Yeah. See, like yeah, like it, yeah, fuchsia. Like fuchsia. Like think think of Frieza from Dragon Ball Z when you say it, and that's how you say like the first part, oh, right? Like God. fuchsia. Yeah. Um, English is, is hard. Uh, so n- next up, we have some. We're, we're going to be doing some open standard stock, I guess, uh, because since there's not much news going on, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, micro dot blog uh, and what micro dot blog is and what micro pub is, and maybe a little bit about what activity pub is. I even even though I don't I don't actually know that much about activity pub. Uh, so Christian, you want to start out, introduce what micro dot blog actually is? Okay, so micro.blog is just there's a preface to We're going to use microblog to um, encompass a whole bunch of things because there is microblog, which is a web service. There is microblog, which is also, um, I'm going to use that word to describe some of the back end things because of how Mastodon works. Mastodon is there's a Mastodon as a front end and some of the back end stuff, which works with using a standard called Activity Pub. So when you, we can just say activity pubs refer to Mastodon sometimes because Mastodon is only using that really for the, they use some other things, right? But like it's mostly activity pub based at this point for sending statuses and such. When you have, um, with microblog, microblog uses at least three or four different, uh, web standards for sending posts, receiving posts and the such. So I'm going to use, I will talk about this in detail, but I'm going to use the word microblog to also refer to some of those backend things for the sake of this conversation. But with that, Microblog is a service created by Manton Reese. Uh, it was funded on Kickstarter about a year ago, and it has been in public. Uh, no, it's been private for the past couple of months. I think uh, a couple of months, a uh, month or so ago, it became public, uh, private only to Kickstarter backers. And what Microblog is is um, think about some blogs, right? Like we have so in 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 the open web years uh, of before, you have. You have like these, uh, what they're called, like actual blogs, right? And then on the very tail end of it, you had like micro blogging, which we we now know as Twitter and Mastodon, right? But in the middle, you had these like 
Tumblogs, and I'm not talking about Tumblr. Tumblr is a thing that kind of stole that word later on. But Tumblogs were short text posts posted to a blog that sat alongside longer content, right? And so what Microblog does is take that part out and just focuses on that. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is essentially I I, I called it like a like an open Tumblr implementation, uh, which which sort of makes sense in the way the interactions work. Uh, which Christian's going to get into. Uh, there's there's interaction model to to what Micropub is uh, and what Micro.blog is. So Christian, uh, I think it's called web mention. Uh, uh, is is what replies are sent as well. It's all encompassed. So there's this. Um, we're gonna have a bunch of links to all this in the show notes. But there is a. It's sort of like a, a collective called the Indie Web, right? Indie Web uh, Camp is like kind of their official name. They do events and such. Um, and so there's a couple of W3C uh, recommended and supported protocols that come out of that. Some existed beforehand, right? So Microblog uses something called WebSub, which is formerly known as PubSub Hub, which was a part of OStatus, right? Like that was a... It was related, yeah. That was It, it was adjacent to it. It was adjacent to OStatus way back when, and which is uh, PubSub Hub has been rebranded as WebSub. So how Microblog works, it's uh, it's broken into four different parts. You have Micropub, which is a client-to-server protocol for sending posts and such. And then replies through each post are handled through something called web mentions. And web mentions is just a standard for um, use a building block for conversations and mentions. And then we have microformats. And microformats is uh, essentially just how... Uh, Describing the tags in the RSS feed, right? Because how microblog works is just a blog, so it's RSS feeds, but it'll be specific uh, categories, right? So it'd be like micropub this and that or microblog whatever, which will indicate indicate to microblog itself how it how it actually should handle this, right? If the post is a reply or if it's just a general post or if the post is like an image post and then the microblog client can do whatever it, want, whatever it wants with that data. So if this sounds like a glorified RSS reader, yes, yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. And, but, but to be fair, Mastodon is also a glorified RSS reader and like, that's great. Like I don't, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how social networks have been abstracted this point that we no longer see that but microblog just kind of embraces that microblog itself pulling all it together is not open source like mastodon is so i want to make this clear right microblog is a paid service that gives you a fancy front end for this but interfacing with microblog you could do that for wordpress blog yeah you can uh just give a wordpress blog to um to a microblog client and it will pull in the posts from that wordpress blog because this is all like once again rss and such and wordpress has web sub support and all of this stuff and you could probably install some uh plugin like yeah some plugins to to make it better but so i, w- I want to make that clear because i know someone in Mastodon was telling me that microblog really isn't that important because microblog itself isn't this open source that you can install but because it's built on open standards i don't think it has to be like I don't like um, Mastodon itself is a is a little different because of how how like end to end it is in terms of giving you the whole experience, but microblog is so modular that you can literally pull in like as I said you can pull in actual blogs with it and it'll work just fine. So I because of how compartmentalized it is, I do not think you need you microblog micropub itself wrapping all this together needs to be open source. Um, and also and also uh. This is a bit of a hot take, I guess, but I'm okay with things being closed source as long as they're interfacing with open standards. 
Like microblogs being transparent is how this works, right? Like it's like the building blocks of microblog are open source. WebSub's an open standard. Micropub's an open standard. Uh, these are all on the W3C's website, right? Like these are all officially sanctioned things. Microblog itself is just wrapping them together for you in a nice interface. Um, so that's perfectly fine for me. I don't have any problems with that. And as I said earlier, it interfaces WordPress. You can just use a WordPress site and maybe not have a great experience, but you could plug it into a microblog client and use it that way, right? Like it's, it, I know this is, it's a little, this is a little bit complicated to explain because it's, Mastodon's easier, I think, to explain to people because you can just be like, it's like Twitter. But but we haven't had anything like microblog in a while, right? Like, tumblogs have not existed for almost like a decade and something in full force. So the most we could say is like, it's like Tumblr, but at the same time, it's really not. But I, well, like, it's like Tumblr in theory, right, of a loosely connected federated network of individual blogs. Like, in theory, not how Tumblr works as software, but it, theoretically, it's more like Tumblr in that case or a live journal. Yeah, this, this is sort of like... It's sort of like a blog network, I suppose, like a uh, like a f- sort of federated uh, blog network. Um, I mean, it's it's is does the word federated really apply here? I don't think it's it's federation in the same term as we talk about when we talk about federation in Mastodon uh, or other uh, activity pub or O status speakers. Uh, I don't think it's federating in the same way, right? Like uh, it sort of is federating, but not really. Well, it's it's federating in the sense that owning your own blog is federation, right? Like it's it's not Mastodon's definition of federating is that Mastodon itself is its own specific network, and anything that works with ActivityPub like is a part of that specific network, which is removed from the open web in terms of it not being crawlable by Google and that, right? Like Mastodon is op- is the open web, but Mastodon is not like the like html and like pages and no, stuff right no it's not that's no, not it's it's so it's apis it, basically yeah it's all like it's it's data talking to each other but it's siloed out from the internet as a whole which well, whether microblog is just these are all blogs searchable by google like this is indexed by and you can google for a blog you can find a post and it turns out that that blog is also a microblog compatible blog right or some blog so it's it's confusing to talk about. To be fair to Mastodon, it is crawlable by Google. Like posts are crawlable by Google, and they are you know publicly available. Uh, and they are web pages, I guess. It's just that they're like dynamically generated and whatnot. Uh, but they are still web pages, uh, and you can fetch them using an API and this like you know RSS feeds and uh, whatnot. But yeah, this is a bit hard to explain because there's not really an equivalent of closed source, like closed standard equivalent, I think, other than Tumblr. And Tumblr is not really an equivalent to this, as as we mentioned. So, uh, so I mean, this is cool, but like, like, why is this important when we already have WordPress? Like, I, like I'm. This is like a question I want to ask. Like, why is this still? Why is this important when we already have uh, the WordPress project and all that they have done uh, for the open web? And as a project, I think WordPress is a pretty strong project. Uh, so why would this be something that somebody uses? Like, why, why, why is this? Uh, why is this? Why would? Why would I use this? I think uh, over. I think the the part that's attractive here is the commenting system, like the mentions, the web mentions thing is 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 open standards. So it feels like you're not using like a closed uh, commenting system like discuss or something, you know, uh, that's the attractive part. But other than that, I don't see really a uh, huge appeal in it. Uh, so 
it's it's something that's hard to describe, right? Like we said, it's confusing, it's hard to describe, but it has its place where um where at the very least, I don't know, man, tumblogs are a hard thing to explain because we haven't had them forever, right? Like, I'm going to repeat myself on that. So what me and you didn't really grow up with tumblogs, like that was before we got on the internet, right? Like LiveJournal wasn't that big of a thing when we were coming on here. Like having your own WordPress blog was, but LiveJournal had been far gone and Facebook had already established itself, right? So I, I think that having a focus service that just focuses on blogging itself, right? Like that... That's an important tool to have. I suppose, yeah. Like, I'm not, like, opposed to it existing. I'm just not seeing, like, a personal appeal, which is fine. Uh, like, it doesn't have to, like, be personally appealing to me. But uh, it's it's interesting to me because I don't really use the social features of WordPress. Like, I only, only have it. I have, like, pingbacks and trackbacks disabled. I have comments disabled. So, to me, it wouldn't really make sense to use Macroblog. Like, like I already have an RSS feed. If you want to read my blog, you can subscribe to my RSS feed. Uh, so yeah, so well, I think it's not for everyone, right? Like there's, there's a place between like super long blog posts and like, LOL, let's hang out on Twitter, right? Or Mastodon. Like there's, there's a place for that. Um, I don't think, well, also too, uh, if I'm looking, I'm looking at my microblog feed right now and people are using it like Twitter, right? Like that's, that's how it's being used. So I, I don't exactly know if it's going to like actually be a successful service. I'm going to support it, right? Because I think that just on a technical level, how it's all working together is really interesting to me. But people are just using it like how they use Twitter or Mastodon. And it's more of a Mastodon competitor than anything, like with, with a very light focus. But that's fine, I think. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like uh, there, There's certainly a space for this to exist. Uh, like Not everybody wants to... Uh, I mean, uh, Mastodon has its own uh, sort of what what's the word for it? Uh, sort of whole thing, like a, like a culture to it, right? Like not everybody wants to do Mastodon. Like that's that's fair. I think that's fair for like an alternative to exist. Like it would be cool if like Microblog could like you know like talk activity pub. That would be interesting, right? Like if if like the server could talk activity pub uh, and uh, federate with Mastodon, that would be an interesting uh, sort of uh, thing. But, you know, it's always possible, I suppose, since these are, like, protocols that you can implement uh, on your own. Uh, it's all just HTTP and POST requests, so that's that. Uh, we're going to link to the MicroPub and ActivityPub standards uh, in, in the show notes. Uh, do we have anything else to say? I think this is going to be a shorter episode this week because just there's not much, um... but... Yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna say that I I know that uh, for, for especially for folks who listen to us from Mastodon, you're like as Static was saying, you're literally thinking, why should I use this? And I think and I I think that's the wrong approach to take to this. It's not Mastodon should not be the end all be all. Like God, no, no. <laughs> we we need more competitors, right? Like it's based off of open standards. This isn't like some random social network that's proprietary. This isn't Peach, right? This isn't like Yo or Peach or something like that. Some valley funded thing. This has been funded by people who want to use it. This is built off of things that are in the W3C open standards that have been accepted. And we need more of that. So I'm I'm going to always champion something as interesting as this. And you know what? Sometimes people build things they don't have a use case, but they find their own, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that is entirely fair. I think I feel like sometimes you gotta build. Sometimes you gotta build things to figure out it doesn't work. Like sometimes you just gotta do that, right? Sometimes you gotta like uh, make the mistake so you can learn from it. Uh, 
I guess that's that's sort of like my code for this episode. Make the mistake so you can learn from it. Okay, maybe don't do that all the time, but yeah, uh, that's micro.blog. If you want to check it out, uh, as I mentioned, the d- domain is micro.blog. Uh, obviously, we're going to link to the W3 standard in our show notes, which you can find at twoshadesofbrown.com. We have an RSS feed if you weren't subscribed to it already. Uh, you can subscribe it to there. Um, you can also contact us via email. The address is on the sidebar, contact at twoshadesofbrown.com. You can find me on Mastodon at staticsafe at mastodon.zombacloud.com and Christian. Um, hi, I'm Christian, just in case you didn't notice from the being the episode because we skipped that. <laughs> but you you can find me on um, Mastodon at chosefineatinstance.business. Um, we got more shows on stipes.co, other podcasts. Uh, and with that, goodbye. Bye.